Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Happy Haven Podcast. Today we had Dennis Knight on again. The Knight Writer returns. Talking about New York Comic Con and what's going on with him right now. Some projects he's got and some stuff coming up on the horizon. And then uh, a good conversation about um, getting rid of some of the toxicity in everyday life that has to do with the politics that have creeped into everything and just striving to make a more positive experience for people so they actually do have a place to escape. Um, Either way, it was a great episode, wonderful conversation as always with Mr. Knight, so uh, enjoy guys. Hey, what's up dude? Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Awesome. Hidden Technology 1, just wonderful. I mean, it's always at the worst possible time, man. I was like, really, right now? (laughs) It is what it is. Like I said, I mean, I was doing an episode a couple months ago, and the computer was just like, your scheduled update, is it? And I I tried to click out of it, and it was just like, no, I'm updating now. Wow. (laughs) I would have lost it. I don't know how, like, that's insane. It's like, really, right now? Staring angrily at a computer for 20 minutes while it just like slowly installs an update. (laughs) That's crazy. Uh, So what's been good, dude, since last time we talked? Good, man. I just actually had a signing at um, at a comic book shop last night in Brooklyn. It was a lot of fun, man. Very cool. Anyone comics? Oh, that's where in Brooklyn is that? Um, Crown Heights. Crown Heights, Brooklyn. Really nice place. Beautiful store. Great guys. I mean, I had like the most fun there. Awesome. It was a good yeah. turnout? Um, not like a lot of people came, but it was like worth, the people who came like made it worth it, you know what I mean? It's like a couple of people came by. This one guy, he was so excited about my book that he bought like all the issues like right there on the spot. See, that's, that's the jam right there. So that was <laughs> like, that, that made my night right there. Like that guy, that one guy coming in, I like, just made my night, you know? So For it was real. cool. That's awesome. <clears throat> so, um... So you had that signing. You got uh, New York Comic Con coming up, right? Yeah, next week. Ooh, I need to get up there to that one time. Yeah, man. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's definitely worth the trip, especially like since you're a podcaster, you can meet like a lot of people and network and like you know get some nice content for your show. So I definitely would like look into it. And to have like media passes for people who do podcasts and magazines and stuff like that, you should definitely look into that for next year for signing up to get a formal um, media badge. I might, man. I mean, it, it'd be a trip. I, I I took my family. See, you know, last time we talked, I'm from, you know, I'm from Boston, but my, you know, my wife's from here. My kids are are born here. They've only been to Massachusetts once, so I would I wouldn't mind taking them to to NYC for a couple of days. It's, it's a it's a great town. I mean, there's a lot of stuff to see, a lot of sites, great restaurants, great hotels. That would that would be like a nice family trip for you. Yeah. See, I haven't been. Let's see. 1998 or 99 would have been the last uh, summer that me and my friends would have jumped trains in Providence and gone into the city. So wow. We have friends who lived in Brooklyn, and we'd stay with them for the weekend, and we, we would just literally be that that uh, typical movie person, you know, like get off the train skateboard all day listen to some violent femmes and some wu-tang and some beastie boys and yeah just skateboard all around and then crash out in a scary apartment with people we knew <laughs> and then there you go. bug out back back down to uh uh providence and boston 
That's how you do it. It is, man. So, uh, you working on anything now? I mean, other than the series you have going forward, you got anything new coming up? I have some, like, very, very grassroots stuff. Like, I'm working on a superhero comic. I'm still, like, drafting the first script. I still have to get a Kickstarter ready for that. Um, I'm still editing, working on some stuff for Pronto. Yep. They want me to um, help build their, like, their universe. So I've been, like, kind of working on that, like, kind of coming up with characters and, like, settings and time periods. So I've been slowly working on that. Dude, um, talk about that. What's it like to build a universe? That's it's, awesome. It's insane. Like, we're going for, like, a more of a a hyper-realism universe, so it's just, like, real-time, like, we're going to start, like, probably in, like, the the Great Depression area and, like, have, like, you know, street-level heroes and kind of, like, um, build, and, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus it in New York City, kind of have it, like, branch out to other parts of the country and other parts of the world. Yeah. Just have, like, different heroes and different time periods and, like, what, what was, like, during that time and, like, have historical events or how it affected the characters so that's what I'm working on so like almost like building a legacy universe yeah exactly oh that's crazy so when you get to this time you can have a stable of heroes and you have all this history that you've already established that you can build on that's that's what you want to do oh see that sounds fun (laughs) that sounds mad oh I bet so um well, I mean, let me know when you uh, get that Kickstarter ready. Oh, definitely, yeah. And I'll I'll promote it. Well, I mean, I'll have you on. You can do updates on here whenever you want. I mean, it'd be open-door policy to, to help you through the whole life cycle of that Kickstarter, man, most definitely. I appreciate it, because there's so much work getting a Kickstarter together. I'm trying to get the rewards right and see. It's, it's hard, because I have to, like, figure out how much you want to, like, the reward and like the, what the person gets for backing and just like and like how much should I make reward worth is so it's such a hassle but it's like cause you don't want to overshoot but you don't want to shoot yourself in the foot either you know what I mean right exactly that that weird balance yeah of risk reward for both you and the potential exactly. backer yeah man so that that thing we were talking about and I don't want to say too much you know on air as it were but I I reached out to uh. Matt Hawkins from Top Cow Comics. Okay. <clears throat> and I asked him the question, you know, about uh, how licensing music works in a comic book form. Because you're not really playing it. Right. You know? Um, but he said he still thinks if you have if you have lyrics or anything that you still have to license it. Because right. it's something you could potentially profit from using somebody else's thing. Right. So I'm having to do some real... Uh, creative thinking on how I could still tell it the way I wanted to without it costing me um, far more yeah. cash than I will probably have in a long time. The only thing I could think of is maybe like hook up a, like, you know, um, a songwriter and do some original lyrics, but still like make it encapsulate like the time period or like the mood that you want. Right. And then put something with the songwriter. I mean, like, and that's gonna be it's not gonna be ninety nine red balloons, but it'll be something that can be like similar to convey the same emotions that you're looking for. It might be your best route. See, and it's funny that you say that because I actually I know it sounds corny, but I actually am a songwriter. Um I had I had a hardcore band here in Atlanta and we actually played um all the main the main venues here 
for a little while before it just fell apart because life gets busy, you know. Yeah, and I mean, I grew up in punk bands up north too. I mean, I was in punk and hardcore bands forever, so I didn't even yeah. think about that. Like, hey, idiot, how about you sit down and write your own, yeah. <laughs> your own lyrics? So yeah, I mean, dude, like, why, like, now, why kill yourself if you don't have the funds to license the songs that you want? Write your own songs. That is mad true. I don't see. I got so like, oh man, I got to rearrange everything. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, it's still good. Like I love the format, I love the concept of your story, and like you totally do it because, dude, you write songs, so why not? You know what? It's gonna be back to the drawing board this weekend, then. Yeah, no, dude, you gotta hit it, man. Like I'm excited to see what you do. That format, though, that is so weird for me. Like I'm used to just writing short stories and just writing or talking about an idea. Like that structure, that like threw me. So hard because I'm like, okay. So page and panel. I've never done page and panel, and I like wrote it out in a notebook and was just like, yeah. that is definitely. I have a whole new respect because I always thought it was like, okay, so the comic book writers like, here's my script. Like you just jot it down, and then the artist is like, oh, okay. Well, here's how it breaks down. Like seeing that the writer has to completely envision yeah. not only the story. But how to tell it in a static format yep. that's still comprehensible, it like opened up a whole new level of respect for comic writing for me. Yeah. Do you want to also keep track of your real estate on the page? You have to like consider the eye movement while you're writing the script and like know where you're placing the word bubbles and all that stuff. So it is a lot of work. But it makes it easier for the artist to like convey the information into, into the art part of it. Because you need the words, you need the art. So it just makes it easier for the artist to like see what you want. Right. Plus, you don't want the artist to come out and break your legs. Yeah. <laughs> some artists are so weird because it's like some of them are really, really just like, dude, what is this? Blah blah blah. What's that? Because sometimes when the draw things, they don't want to draw it. But if you have like something clear and concise, it makes everything a lot easier. Yeah, that makes sense. I actually saw. Um about a month ago, Eric Larson, uh, Savage Dragon creator, was uh, he put something on Twitter, and it was almost like a quiz. Uh, yeah. It was really cool. I don't know if you saw it. It was like he did, uh, it was like a four-panel thing that he put up as a picture, and he actually had people write in and say which which order they thought their eye was supposed to go. Right. And almost everybody got it wrong. Yeah, your eyes make a Z. Yeah, like, it was awesome. Like, he put it up, and he was like, what order do you think this could go? And that was a cool lesson, and I've actually integrated that into the advice you've given me. Like, okay, yeah. so it can't just be like, this is this, this is this, this is this. It actually has to tell the story in a right. way that they actually follow it the right mm-hmm. way. Yep. And and the thing that made it challenging, I guess, was he took all the dialogue out, so you didn't have the you didn't have context clues. Right, so it's all like visual cues, like right, right comes after yeah. Visual cues are also very important because it's like you can guide the eye without having words. Like if you want like a certain image to stand out more on the page, you might make it bigger. You might like make it a different color, and that attracts your eye to the, um, the object that you want seen. And the placement on the item on the page that kind of like will guide your eye the right way anyway. So right. there's a lot of different ways to do it. Dang, man. Yeah, like like I said, I mean, having read it my whole life and 
and written my whole life to being like, oh snap, I could I could throw this story down and just and then seeing like what it actually takes to bring it to a page potentially before you even bring it to a real page. Yeah. I was like, oh, no, this goes way deeper. Yeah, it's a lot of work, but it's worth it in the end. Because if we see everything come together, like, it's the best feeling in the world. Right. Like what you had happen at at the signing where that dude showed up and just, like, geeked out all over. Yeah. Your baby. Yeah, he, and, he you know, for, like, a good 20 minutes. I was just like, this guy, he was so excited. He was, like, an old school fan. Like, he goes to all the conventions. And he heard what he heard, he heard I was going to be there. Like, me and my artist were there last night together. And he was like, dude, I heard you were here. And I said, I am so there. I'm like, wow, you're the most excited person I've ever met in my life. The guy was so cool. See, that's awesome. Yeah. Is this your first time uh, that you'll be going to New York? No, I've been, to, I've been to New York a couple of times. Like, what year is this, 2017? I've been going since about, I want to say 2013, 2012. Oh, okay. Like that, so... Not my first rodeo, but I still get nervous every time I go. Always, I just gonna show up or whatever. But I try not to think about that. And you're gonna be an artist, Alec? No, I'm gonna be on um, small press, small press section with Parcel Comics. Oh, okay. It's, cool. It's a better fit be because it's like small press is more about like the comic book makers. Because you've been on the block before on the main floor, and it's just like pop culture everywhere. You have like. Yeah, guys, you have like 3D printing guys. It's like there's so much going on. It's like the person, the people walking, they don't know what to do or where to go. Small press is more censored and more directed to people who want to like check out independent comic books. So like, if you're in small press, how are you gonna buy a comic book because you're in small press? You know what I mean? See, I'm down with that. Yeah, we did. uh, I took my this year. We got invited to MomoCon. Like you were talking about, we got the media badge and we got to go everywhere and. it was like hyper reality. Yeah, down there, you you get on the floor and it's like fandom everywhere. With yeah, ADHD and too much caffeine in it all at yeah, once. Yeah, it's, like, it's crazy. <laughs> I, I mean, the it, sounds and the people is just like sometimes it's like, dude, I gotta get out of here. Like I like yeah. sometimes I leave the table for like five minutes because I can't deal with all the people and all the noise and all the sounds. See that that's what was cool about having the badge for for MomoCon is, is you could go down as long as you wanted. Yeah. So like I had, you know, game demos set up, interviews set up and everything, and in between, you know, you could walk around or they had a media relation room that was like um it overlooked it. It was like a almost like a um like a skybox at like if yeah, you go yeah. to like a hockey game or whatever, you know, you can overlook everything. It's glass, it's separated, you gotta you know, it's got its own room and everything. And you could go up there and just like woosaw out for yeah, a few minutes. That's cool. You need that man. That's awesome. Cause my ten year old man, I'd I'd look and her eyes just start to boggle and you could tell she yeah, wasn't even looking at into <laughs> <laughs> She wasn't that's seeing individual things anymore. It was yeah. just like ah yeah. <laughs> You're like, come on, let's take a break. <laughs> yeah. I need to take breaks. You no, know, need to stay hydrated. Like people ask me, what it's like doing New York Comic Con, and I say it's like a bag full of angry cats, and you shake it. That's what Comic Con is like. <laughs> yeah, I got a little taste of that yeah. this year. That was my first time doing one. I was like, holy crap! Yeah, right. It's crazy. There's so many bodies here. Yeah, it's like, and then it seems like. There's no end to it. Like, more people... Even when people leave, more people come in. So it's, like, the constant flux of bodies and people moving around you and shuffling. It's just like, this is nuts, man. But you know what, though? I mean, if you think about, like, how small this stuff was when we were kids. Right. You know, like, 
Community-wise, I mean, like, you know, comics were big, and, you know, I mean, the, that's when the, the actual kings were writing. Yeah. You know, Ditko and Lee and sure. um, Kirby and, you know, all them. But the community around it wasn't what it is. It, I mean, it, it's cool to see how much it's, it's grown and been embraced. Oh, and, yeah. I mean, you know, cosplay gave it a whole new life because then it wasn't just like, yeah, you don't have to just like it. You can actually be it. Yeah. You know? It's like a whole other element that's added to it because it's like, I know a few cosplayers and they go all out with makeup and hair and fabric and costumes. They take pictures and it's like all this. And it's cool because it's like, some of them actually look like the characters. It's like, wow, like this is my favorite character, and I'm standing right in front of it. It's like mind blowing to some people. It's really, really cool. Yeah, I grew a new appreciate a new, <clears throat> sorry, <clears throat> excuse me, a new appreciation for it. Um, doing MomoCon this year because you know, like if if you haven't seen it and you, and you try to explain it to people and you're like, yeah, they dress up like these comic book characters. They're like, so it's like Halloween and you're like, mm, not really. No, there's a lot that actually, there's a lot of heart and passion yeah. and art that goes into them doing that. Like uh, Dragon Con one year, um, we went down just for the parade. Um, Dragon Con's like the big, big one in Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard of it. And, um, they do a parade and that's free. Right. Um, you can go down, I think Peachtree street and watch them do it. They had a dude, who had decked his daughter out as a little sister from Bioshock, and he was in a fully functional Big Daddy diver suit. Mm. Like, drill hand, yeah. everything. Like, uh, no, the coolest cosplay I've seen thus far was a dude, he built a Hulk Buster cosplay that was built to scale. So you had this guy what? around this massive like Iron Man suit. It took, him, it took the guy 20 minutes to put it on, and 20 minutes to take it off. And he had, like, people walking around him, so you like, would knock anything over. It was freaking nuts. Did it light up and everything? Yeah. I mean, oh, you're that freaking nuts, I'm telling you. Yeah. I'll have to find the pictures and get it to you. Um, they had uh, two guys at in Atlanta this year, and they went as Gundams. What? Like, full suit, no, lit up wait, Gundams. That's crazy. And I was like, I probably built by hand, because I, I, for a little while I got into actually building Gundams. Yeah. And I was like, I guarantee you I built those two at one point. Like the oh, two yeah. that they picked, because they look like, super um, familiar. Because you could like put together a paint and all that stuff. Yeah. And my, my little one, she was just like looking up, because I mean, they had they were on stilts with the, with the feet looking right, but you could tell they were on stilts inside of it. Sure. And they were like nine, ten feet tall. Wow, that's nuts. And she's only like four feet tall, so she's got a whole her plus some. Yeah. Between like him right, and at, the head. It's got like forever. She's just standing in between them like, holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> I bet it was crazy, mind-blowing. Man, I I, I kind of like it. I did, you know, I did the one con. I definitely would like to do more. It, it was, it was a fun time. Yeah, you like it's it's crazy. You like the, you like the concert of fun. You don't you don't like the concert going to be a hassle or just like. I like to enjoy myself. I like the people to enjoy themselves. So I like everything to be laid out so people can find everything easily. The organization is really big, and like the way that like the, the way that people are treated is also a big deal for me. Like, don't make me feel like. I'm, you're doing me a favor by letting me do your kind, you know what I mean? Right, exactly. And, and, and that's what was awesome about the, about the one I did, was um, 
everybody was like super cool, and it was all about the love for what that whole thing was right. was set up. That's for. the way it should be. Yeah, it wasn't up its own rear end. It wasn't. Yeah. You know, look at all the celebrities who come just to be here. It was like focused on cosplaying and gaming was huge there. I didn't think it was going to be that big of an element, but they, it had its own separate. Um, like the building they had it in has multiple, I guess you'd call them arena rooms. Like they're just sure. these huge open rooms yeah. for different events. And one whole room was just for gaming. They had an entire retro arcade that was free Wow! the whole time. Like just this whole section of just stand-ups and pinball machines. That's and then you had, yeah, you had like all the demos for new stuff in the middle. They had this whole section for VR gaming that was free. To go try it out, and they had this laser tag, um, this laser tag business that's here in Georgia, and where I'm actually going to bring some friends, and we're going to go. Um, they outfit real weapons. No so, way. Yeah, so you have the weight and the feel that and the function does. of real military weapons, but yeah. it's got the lasers inside. That's crazy. And instead of it just being like boom, you got hit, it actually like. You put a headband on, a chest band on, and some other things, and it actually constricts when you get shot, so it puts pressure no. on the part that you got hit. So it's not just like, doo-doo, you know, it's that like you actually nuts. feel like, I, have to I just got shot in the shoulder, I just got shot in the chest. And you have hit points. That's crazy. That. So it's not, yeah, it's not like somebody fires and it randomly hits one sensor on you right. and you're out for a little bit. It's got hit points, so like you get hit in the arm and it's like, you feel it and the pressure hits your arm and it's like 75 out of your 100. Oh. You know, and then, yeah, and then you get hit in the chest and it like vibrates and constricts right over your heart and then it's like zero. <laughs> like, you just got shot in the heart. That's crazy. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, like full weighted weapons. Like the 1911 pistol in your hand is the same weight. I have one in real life. Right. Like, you know, like the, the, the M4 I ran around with, um, it, it was dead accurate. Like, they just have these caches of these real weapons that have been decommissioned. No way. So they, you know, they can't fire anymore. Right. So they just, yeah, they just outfit them with this new laser stuff that they came up with in-house mm. to fit in these weapons. Like, it's put in the bore of the rifle, so you actually have to aim. Wow, that's nuts. Oh, it's awesome. It was so cool. We got to do it again. Oh yeah, dude! I'm like, I'm about to take a trip just to check it out. <laughs> <laughs> For real, dude! It's down here. Hey, man, you come crash with me. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do some tabletop gaming. Do some laser tagging. Probably brainstorm this story I was thinking about. Yeah, man, dude. If you ever need any help or anything, just like, dude, I'm gonna email you. Just shoot me an email if you have something you want me to check out, dude. I'll do it for you. No problem. <laughs> no, for real. I mean, oh, I've reached out a couple times. Serious, like, if you ever have questions or, like, you're not, not quite sure about something, just email it to me. I'll take a look at it. Cool. So, uh, would you, are you willing to speak on what the project for Kickstarter is, or do you want to wait till the Kickstarter? I want to wait until I have something more solid, because I still have to meet my artists and my creative team, because they're still trying to go over the rewards. I have some ideas, but I really okay. want to focus on what I'm going to be doing for New York Comic Con. And I wanted to talk about this one guy, Bob Staley. I'm not sure if you know him. He does Salvagers. For Source Point Press? No, not not off the top of my head. Yeah, I mean, he's a great guy. I've been following his career a lot. I talk to him on Facebook all the time. He's having a Kickstarter. I wanted to mention that quickly to do him a okay. favor. 
Yeah, dude, you got carte blanche. Go ahead. Yeah, man. Um, and also, buddy, I'm gonna I'm gonna be working with Buddy Scalera most likely during next oh, wow. New York Comic Con. Yeah, that dude, he has this thing called Comic Book School, where he does panels that helps people make comic books, and he has created connections. Panel where he actually makes people network to make comic books. Wow. And I've been doing that with him for like a couple of years now. It's me, Thomas Brown from Proto Comics, a couple of other people. And it's really cool because I get to stand on the stage with Buddy Scalera. It's just like, me standing right. all this. It's like, okay, this is cool. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So, so you're actually going to be running workshops there at, at the con then? Not running workshops, just helping out because usually with, um, with Creative Connections, like, I help Buddy out with, like, I'll hear pitches from people who have ideas or who want to work in comic books and kind of give them pointers, like, what to work on or trying to, like, you know, see if I can help help them. It's kind of like matchmaking in comics. Like, hey, you're a writer. Oh, hey, you're an artist. Why don't you guys exchange information and see if you guys can work together? That's the kind of the basic concept of it. And if That's people, brilliant. And then for people who already have something, then I'll listen to pitches or I'll check out you no know, scripts or whatever while I'm there. So it's kind of like reviewing almost. It's kind of like because like I don't really like help out with the networking part. I help out with like the review part after the networking. Like, if somebody already has a team together, somebody already has something, and they want to show it to somebody, I'm the guy they usually show it to. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it's fun, but you know, I get a, it's, it's, it's a mixed bag. I get a lot of good ideas and a lot of bad ideas, too. So it's like, right, kind of, yeah. Kind of got to take it as it comes, as they say. That's awesome, though. Yeah, great times, though. Oh, hold on a second. Yeah, sure. I love editing because I just had a brain fart. I was going to ask a question. <laughs> and it went away. It'll come to you. So, um, so you're going to be doing that plus um, stuff for your own books while, while you're there at the same time? Yeah, while I'm there, while I'm there it's usually like creative connections with Buddy and then like I help out pronto. Like I'm going to have like a, t- I'm gonna have like a section at their, at their booth the whole time. I'm going to have like my book showcase and my merchandise. And also, I'm going to be hang, hanging out with CNCN Network. They're basically a networking network that helps people. It's basically a network of people who want to make comic books, so they kind of help each other out, work together. They have an after party every year, and the after party is actually listed in the Comic Con program. Nice. So I'm going to be go, I, I'm, I'm I'm invited to that I go like every year. I just want to talk about that briefly, like to have um after parties like Friday night and Saturday night. Yeah. Seven to eleven. So I have that written down. And what day is that? Um, uh, it's for the show. October. What the hell? I had it. I think it was like six and seven. October six and seven. That's seven o'clock. Are the after parties? What? Yeah. That's awesome. They had um. They had this crazy thing down here this year, um, at the aquarium, which is kind of it's like literally like right across the street from the convention hall where they had it. Yeah. Um, Georgia has like it's supposed to be like the biggest indoor aquarium or something in the country. I don't know. It's big. Yeah. I've been a couple times, and they did a um, a costume ball, mm. and ended it with um, a Final Fantasy concert. No way! That sounds amazing. With like one of the actual composers, like a full. Oh no way! That's awesome. It was yeah, it was cool. <laughs> I didn't get into that one with the media badge. I had to buy, yeah. <laughs> buy tickets. I mean, that's like but. Final Fantasy. Like the music in Final Fantasy is like life changing. It's like the most beautiful music that you ever hear. 
Oh, dude, yeah, I'll be 88 years old, and I may not even know how to go to the bathroom on my own. <laughs> but you play, and I'm going to be like, somebody was victorious. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can't wait for the Final, Final Fantasy VII remake to come out. I've been, like, holding my breath for that game. It's like It looks beautiful. I can't wait. You see they're doing it in chapters? Yeah, that's crazy. This is going to be in pieces. Like, the first one, I think, maybe 2019, I'm thinking, 2020. I can't remember exactly what year the first one's going to come out. I don't know. The footage, though, so far is just like, Dude, I can't wait. <laughs> like, I'm always, I've always wanted a Final Fantasy, because I was a fan of Final Fantasy stuff when I was a kid. So to have this yeah. game be remastered and, like, you know, graphics are, like, top-notch, just like, I'm a kid in the candy store. I can't wait. Yeah, I just want to see Barrett fully realized. Yeah, man. That was my like Cloud, everybody knows what Cloud looks like. You play, you know, you watch yeah, the movie Advent yeah, Children or yeah, sure. play Crisis Core, which was my favorite PSP game. Yeah. That Final Fantasy Crisis Core. Yeah, man, that was a good one. I never, I never played it, but I always heard about it. Crisis Core was good. And I heard Final like, Fantasy Tactics was really good also. Tactics is good, but uh, Crisis Core played... It was live-action combat oh. with a slot machine system. Um, basically, any like crazy attacks or combos or limit breaks, um, at the bottom of the screen, there was always this, it looked like a slot machine going, different faces for characters, different stats, and, a, and every once in a while, it would stop, and if, and if it lined up a certain way, it would give you, like... You know, magic boosts or infinite mana or invulnerable or, you know, all attacks are critical. But if it lined up the same numbers across, so like if you got like 5-5-5 or if you got like, you know, 3-3-3, it would level up. And depending, I think think it was based on color. Like depending on how it leveled up, um, it was the only way you could level up in the game. Wow, that's nuts. So, like, it would level up your character overall, so, like, your hit points and all your stuff would go up. Or it would level up uh, one of your spells. Or it would level up, like, a weapon. Or it would... Yeah, and and, and it stayed because it leveled up and it was persistent. But it was just a really crazy background system they've never integrated into something else. And, like, your limit breaks were based on that. Like, you, you'd go to do, like, your... Almost like a summon... You know, like you'd go to do your your limit break or your summon, and it would, it the whole screen would become the slots running. And if it lined up a certain way, like you could do like one that just like basically did as much damage as Knights of the Round mm. in seven, wow. or it could be one that was like level one, and it just kind of gave you a little bit of an edge to get out alive. Wow, that's nuts. Yeah, it was, and it, but and the whole time it's doing that, you are running in real time and doing. Like, using your attacks and using your magic attacks. Oh, that's cool. And your buffs and heals and everything while all that's going on underneath to, like, buff what you're already doing. It was a cra- It ended up being, like, my favorite game I ever had for the PSP. Oh, totally. Yeah, that sounds like a great game. And it had a great story. It was, like, sad. Like, my wife cried when I finished it. We're, like, laying in the bed on yeah, that little PSP screen, and she's watching a story on this little, like, little screen and just crying because it, it's, like... No spoilers, but it, it's it's Cloud's career in Soldier. Okay. Um, it's basically his origin story told through the eyes of the other people who obviously didn't make it because they're not in Seven. Right. Um, 
you actually play from the perspective of Shinra soldiers. Okay. And it's the downfall of Sephiroth. Um, you, you know, like in Seven, they did the cutscenes where they kind of, you know, he finds Genova and then realizes he's not like a a real human. He's like almost like a science experiment type of thing. Yeah. With the Genova cells. It's actually like a full modern cutscene technology, so it looks beautiful. Wow. It's actually like the full origin story of why Sephiroth is what he is when you start Seven. That's... And it, start, it ends right with Cloud falling unconscious with the amnesia. Wow. So it's almost like the Rogue One for Seven. It's that like, is. that ends, Seven begins. That's So it fills in all of why Seven's so freaking crazy at the beginning. Yeah. It, it, it's really good. It's really... You can get it on an emulator. Um, if you have an emulator on your computer, you can play it. Oh, cool. It, it's worth it. But, yeah, Final Fantasy fifteen. I don't know if you played that. I played through that. Um, I've heard of it. I've had a chance to play it. It looks really good, though. My daughter bawled her eyes out at the end. Yeah, Final Fantasy For, like, an hour. Game ever. It always makes you cry. <laughs> that was Last of Us for me. Oh, I heard. I heard that game was, like, so sad. I was like, you know what? I'm not even going to play it. I don't want to cry today. <laughs> Dude, first ten minutes. Yeah. Yeah, especially if you're a daddy. <laughs> first, first ten minutes, you're just like, ow, yeah, right. ow, <laughs> like, my feeling center. <laughs> I've had a couple games yeah, man. that have been able to affect me like that. Last of Us did. Um, uh, I thought Dead Island was going to. Because of that trailer they put out. Yeah. Have you ever seen it? The for the uh, the Dead Island that came out for the last generation. Uh, um, it was that open world zombie game where you're like stuck on the resort. Yeah. Absolutely. Did you ever see the trailer for it where they play it in reverse? No. Oh, dude, homework assignment. Yeah. Yeah, just go on YouTube and look up Dead Island. Uh, trailer and make sure they play it the way it was originally released. Yeah. Because the story's going backwards and the footage is going forward, so it's this weird time jumping thing on this trailer, but it just leaves you like just devastated. <laughs> that, that like, I love video games that make me feel something, but it's just like sometimes it's so intense, man. Like, I don't want to cry because I'm playing a video game. That's too much. Spec Ops The Line got like that at some points. There are certain story reveals where you're just like, shit. Yep. <laughs> like, you just like, what? I haven't had any lately. Most games uh, uh, today, I mean, they're really good and they're beautiful, but a lot of it's just like, Flash, because here's what we can do, and you can play online, too. Yeah. Like, a lot of there's not a lot of story games that are getting made now like there were for the last console. There's no Bioshocks for us yeah. to play, where the concepts and the science behind it are just like what? Yeah, I, mean, I wish they would focus more on the story because the story is what, what like draws the player in, like makes you want to play because you care about the story. Same thing with a comic book. Exactly. Exactly. Have you seen um? 
I've seen it lately online. There's this new push, um, at least on Twitter. A lot of the um, a lot of the big house writers and artists they're doing this new thing where it's pushing to put positivity back into the comic community. Yeah. Is that not a brilliant idea or what for how toxic online the comic community has gotten? It to me is really really sad because it's like okay just because you know a lot of Make somebody feel bad because they don't know as much as you, or they're just getting into it. And they don't know anything. They're actually looking to learn. Right. So exactly. And the thing is, like, there are a lot of forums that like Facebook is perfect. So many groups that like take like comic book trade comic books. They buy comic books. Like they buy comic books, and they have this one that says, "Well, I have this and I have that." And it was like, "Dude, shut up! I make comic books." <laughs> right, but I mean, it's like it's it's like a pushback against the whole like um, you know we want diversity in books. Right. Well, we don't want you to change characters, and then people just start like hammering at each other with insults, and yeah. it's like it's, it's childish. It's like I about diversity and like representation of all races and all cultures, and it's like dude, you can't have it both ways. You can't say you want to diversify the comic book comic book universe but you don't want certain characters to change you can't have right so like there's all this civil war going on yeah you know pe people just being and I think it's starting it looks like it's starting to affect bottom line for you know some of the bigger publishers because um, you know once you if you're a writer or an artist and you put out like a super political statement which you have every right in the world to do but if it's, like, super divisive, where, like, you alienate a whole group yeah. of people who have read that book for years, even before they gave it to you to run for a little while, love and, they and they drop off, that affects everything. So, like, I'm starting to see the, this push for people to put positivity back into the, the universe uh, of comic books and not be so divided and not be running on rhetoric and vitriol against each other, which... I've said is needed for a while that yeah, people need to be able to really yeah people need to be able to get back and talk to each other like you can have whatever political views you want but if you read comic books at the end of the day no matter what side of whatever spectrum or tribe you've decided to line up with everybody can agree that Batman kicks ass yeah you know what I mean like I don't know I, I just think it's I just think it's a good direction and I think we're going to start seeing more and more of it get pushed where the negativity that happens on social media might actually start getting shunned. Yeah, it needs to because it's like politics are nasty enough already. You don't need to like drag comic books into it, you know what I mean? Exactly. Like I actually stay away from political conversations, like professional and professional like my professional opinion, I never discuss I never discuss politics ever. See, that's the like, smartest way to go like, right now. Say something, and it's like not what everybody agrees with, not what everybody wants. You're done. Like people will stop buying your comic. Right. But but that doesn't mean that in your books you don't have a voice though. Like you can still stand on your convictions in you your books. And you can, but also at the same time, it's like just have to do it the right way. Exactly. That's what was forgotten for a little while. Because like, things this is what never I believe, ever say so. like, like I would never put like a racial slur like in one of my comic books. So I would never put like you know, 
deaths of all Democrats in my comic books because it's like you don't want to offend anyone because it's like you should make someone feel bad for their political stance. Exactly, and, and that's just it. Like it's it's this it's this I, constant like identity politicking in everything. Oh yeah, popping up everywhere. Like the Emmys were ruined this year. I didn't even watch them, but like you, you look at how many people are like I'm not watching it this year. This is just one big giant, you know, um, echo chamber of of thought. And the you know they're like a lot of the people who won like a certain show swept everything, and you could tell it was completely political and intentional, which means a lot of good stuff got overlooked on purpose this year. Yeah. And then you know, NFL deciding to shoot itself in the head by being defiant yeah. and like ticket sales are down like 20% in just one week um, direct TVs like yeah, offering like, just refunds like there's yeah. so many people who are like I want to cancel my NFL ticket and I'm like I I, I like football season um, there's only certain sports I can sit down and watch yeah. baseball mostly just because it's relaxing to me because sure. y- y- you can still talk and watch baseball sure. it's not like a movie where, like, unless it's a movie everybody's seen five times, you can't talk to it because somebody's going to be like, I'm going to cut you because I'm missing everything. Stop talking. Yeah, exactly. And football's the same way. You know, everybody gets together. You just sit down. You can talk through the whole thing. It's still on. Everybody can join in the exciting moments for whenever their team does something great. And then you can go back to, like, just relaxing and, and hanging out. Yeah. And I actually, I I didn't watch it this weekend. Um, I, I just didn't... I. And it wasn't because I'm on one side or the other with it. Um, I think if you go on my Twitter, you can tell which side I'm on. Um, having been in the Army, having a brother who is a cop, having like, having a grandfather who fought in World War II, I, uh, I kind of I find it disrespectful, and I think the message could have been framed a lot better. That's- and, the, and, and the message isn't exactly wrong, but there's formats and messaging that could have been done a lot better. <laughs> so I just find it disrespectful because if you want to stick a middle finger up to the president, which who doesn't at one point in their life want to stick a middle finger up to somebody in authority, um, you know, you don't crap on everything else just to try to stick it to one person. Like, that was my take on it. So I didn't, I didn't grandstand about it. I just didn't watch this weekend. Yeah, you know, like I was just like, I'm out. It's so messy now. Like I get what, like what he's, like what he's standing up for. I get like why he's doing it, but like I think his delivery was like way, way off, man. It's just like now, it's, now it's so big. It's like you, you can't bring it. You know what I mean? It's like it's all over the place now. Right, that box is open. Yeah. Good luck closing it. Exactly. And it, it's just it. I think for for most people too, like I don't even think their reaction was lining up on one side of it politically. I think we're all just tired yeah. of not having escapes from it. Like you can't escape negativity today. Yeah. You can't. Like you know, unless it's an independent comic telling its own story. If you're reading one of the big publishers, it's just political from cover to cover. Yeah. Like you know, and then you watch. You watch movies and somebody's politics are in it. You watch TV other than like a sitcom where politics don't make sense, but you try to watch TV 
and it's going to be in there. So then you're like, well, where can I go? Okay, sports. And then you turn on sports, and you just reach a point where you're like, shit! Yeah, like, escape, yeah. And I, I think that's the thing, is it was just a backlash of like, this too, like this too. Yeah, exactly. I know exactly what you mean. A bunch of gladiators fighting each other over a piece of leather. I can't escape your bullcrap. Yeah. And watch this for like just three hours on a Sunday yeah. and not, not realize that you know, the, half the country wants to burn the other country down, yeah. and then that half of the country wants to burn that half of the country down, and the rest of us in the middle who hold our opinions mostly to ourselves are just like, I just want to eat a good lunch on Sunday and, and sit down and that relax. That thing is like, I was, I was, it's funny, I was listening to like the sports radio show the other day, and it was just like, well, part of the issue is like some people, they just don't care about like the political stance or way to go, they just want to watch a game. Right, exactly. <laughs> but but I'm that way with my comics, too. Like, writers and artists need to have the freedom to tell whatever story they want. Because oh, yeah. I know when I write, I don't want somebody over my shoulder being like, nah, you can't put that in there. Nah, you can't put that in there. Right. Nah, how about, you know, like... So I get it. That's the double-edged sword of having an open society with the true freedom of speech. You know, and I'll take that double-edged sword over my wrist bound and duct tape over my mouth any day. Right. But I just think people are getting burnt out on it. Like, just the politics and everything. It's too much, man. It's just like, I've never seen, like, politics be as influential as I have now. I was like, I don't know, growing up, like, there's always, like, you know, people having certain opinions and certain views and there's always the news but like this past year has been insane I've never seen so much politics in my life it's nuts right and people are getting like violent with each other yeah, over it like really bad. you got whole whole sides that like arm up and do what they you know Antifa and the left call it this kind of protest and then like the alt-right crazies that are just as bad as the alt-left. I don't know why people think one side's better than the other. Yeah. I, you know, me and my wife were talking about it last night, you know, the other night um, before bed, you know, we were just laying there talking, and I told her, I said, the alt-right and the alt-left to me are Harvey Dent's coin. Yeah. You know, both sides have the same head on it, because it's a double-sided coin, you know? Exactly. You know, one side's got scratches on it, and one side doesn't, but it's still the same coin. Yep. You know, and everybody's getting told to pick which side of the coin to be on. And I, I'm not, I've never been that kind of person. Right. I don't, if I, if I pack up with somebody, it's, it's not for political reasons. Right. You know, um. I'd like to go hang out with a bunch of punkers. You know, those were my people when I was younger. Yep. Um, you know, hardcore music, punk music, good hip-hop. I, I would I would tribe up with, like, people who like comic books, people who like video games, or people who like music. It wouldn't be people who think this is the way the country needs to go, right. or people think this right. is the way the country needs to go. But what concerns me, and I didn't mean to take the the episode this deep, it's just... Um, what concerns me is is the physical violence I now see. Oh yeah, it's terrible. Being incorporated in this. Sure. For both sides. Of course. 
you can't tell me you're showing up for a peaceful, a peaceful, um, you know, free speech protest and you know, the speaker is inside the building of the college giving an actual articulated speech. Right. And listening to other viewpoints. Like, I, I, I watched the live stream of Ben Shapiro talking at Berkeley a couple weeks ago, yeah. and he did a completely open Q&A. Um, you didn't have to be of a certain persuasion to be able to ask him a question. Mm-hmm. And after he was done giving his talk, he just let anybody ask him a question, and he gave them real answers. Yeah. You know, if a liberal asked a question, it wasn't just a gotcha. Yeah answer like he gave them a full articulated answer where he said I don't even need to change your mind you don't have to agree but this is my take on it but outside you had the alt-right guys with their GoPro cameras you know and they're walking around with their shields and their sticks and they're this and they're that and they're like oh look at Antifa lining up with da 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 and then you had like the people on the Antifa side and they're lined up with their GoPro cameras and their shields and their sticks and they're the talking about how horrible the other side is and I'm like no you're literally the same asshole yeah with a shield and a stick taunting the other side so that you can claim credit that you weren't the one who swung your stick first right but you're still wanting to swing your stick yeah you must like you know and what you're doing is you are overshadowing the, the, the narrative attempt of what's going on inside where the sane people are sitting in an auditorium and openly talking. Right. It's, it's a mess. For real, dude. Like, and that's why I like, having, I like having guests on that I have. I don't usually go very political on the show because, I mean, who wants it? You know? Yeah, exactly. So. But back to reality. Um, so, uh, Pronto have a. You guys do anything special for a holiday season, or um, you you guys just put out stuff as usual. Well, we usually have like a holiday party in December, and we like invite like all like you know the industry people and the fans and whoever else wants to come. It's usually a lot of fun. I have gone to every single one and always have a great time. That's yeah. around December. Do you guys do um? You guys do holiday themed issues on any of the books, or? Um, not that I know of. I mean, it'd be a, it would be a cool idea. Just a, it's really tough because. But you're gonna, yeah. It's because it's like you, let's say you want to do a Christmas issue or like you know whatever. It's like you have to start planning that like almost a year before because it's like we're create different creative teams. Everybody's on a different schedule. You want to make sure the book is out on time around like the time period. So if it were me, I would love to, but I would definitely start planning like a year in advance for something like that. Well, that way it doesn't interrupt the story arc, too. But, I didn't even think about that when I, I thought about it as soon as I asked. Yeah. It, that somebody's got this super intense story arc going on for a year, and then all of a sudden it's just like, no, nah, it's Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, I can it see takes that. planning. It can be done, but it takes a lot of planning. Like, But if it were me, if I had like a new story that's coming out, and if the writer wanted to do something that was themed for the holidays, I would tell him to incorporate it in his story arc. And then have a schedule going so that, like, okay, issue five is going to be, like, the holiday special, and issue five will be out, like, December 1st. But that's already been planned, like, a year in advance. Dang. I gotcha. See? Didn't even think about it. 
I'm a I'm a, I'm a baby on the creative side. I, I mean, dude, it's like it. I was I'm still a baby too, man. Just like I read a lot of books <laughs> and stuff, and I bug people and ask them questions until they answer me. Yeah, I do the same thing. <laughs> As you've seen, that's how you learn, man. You learn by asking questions. You learn by like you know, some especially if you get to interact with someone who's like been doing it longer than you, and ask your response to you, like, oh my god, it's like the golden ticket. Ask so many questions for real. For real though. Okay, so you've got you've got uh, Comic Con coming up. Is it next week, right? Yeah. Next Thursday. Okay, so so what are the dates on that for New York Comic Con? Just, just so people listening can know if they haven't. Yeah, sure. New York Comic Con is October six. No, wait. I'm sorry. Hold on. I got up a calendar. New York Comic Con is October. Fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth. Wow. That's four. And, and where is it at in the city? Um, Jacob Javis Center. Okay. So the fourth, the fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth. Yep. Cool. And just one more time, what are you going to be doing there? So if people show up, they can actually find you if they want to say, "Hey, what's up?" Um, I'm going to be on Pronto Comics booth. Number nine six six. Um, I will be like signing autographs. Um, there'll be a whole bunch of other merchandise there. We're gonna have some special guests. We're gonna have Emily Ree on Thursday, Joe Ciano on Saturday, and Craig Johnson on Sunday. And I think we're gonna have a special guest for Friday. But the special guest for Friday is still to be announced. You're gonna get to meet other creators and other artists and see their work, and it's gonna be a lot of fun. So you guys definitely come by. Awesome, man. So, uh, real quick, uh, just let people know where they can find you anytime. Oh, man, please follow me on Twitter. At, um, what's my Twitter? Hold on. Dude, I just tweeted something. I forgot my Twitter handle. <laughs> Night Rider, right? Yeah, there you go. Mr. Night Rider. That's my Twitter handle. I'm also on Instagram, D-E-E Night Rider. And I'm also on Facebook. And I also have Pronto Comics does have a fan page on Facebook, so check them out. And also, I have a fan page for Cross, my comic book. And you just if you type in Cross Comics on Facebook, it'll pop up. So I have updates, events, and pictures and other cool stuff. Awesome, man. Well, you have a kick-ass on. And I will definitely reach out when it's over. We'll have you back on and see how it went. Yeah, I love that. That's good. Cool, man. 